Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is a beautiful November day. We are officially into fall. I love it. Absolutely love it. Just past Halloween. Um, we had fewer trick-or-treaters this year, which was uh, which was disappointing because I love seeing those uh, the outfits that come along. But it's still going to be a good day because we have Jesse Dillon with us from the other side of the U.S. over there in Massachusetts. Jesse is a multifamily master, and uh, I will let her go into her own story. So, Jesse, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we like to start with stories. Why don't you take us to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. So, um, what kickstarted my journey into entrepreneurship in general was 2017. I was working for a big box beauty retailer. Um, and I was really passionate about what I did, but at the end of the day, it was still retail management, just mm. with a fancy disguise on. So um, when that really didn't fit my lifestyle anymore, and I knew it was sort of a dead end, I went out on a limb and I just went all in on self-employment. So I left that retailer. Um, I opened up a permanent makeup studio. So at that time, I was a one-woman show doing all permanent cosmetics. Um, over time, I started to build a team, got a lot busier, built a name for myself in that industry. And did you have like a like a storefront or was this um, kind of like yes. go to the client? Okay. Yeah. So we had a location. Um, we have since moved locations a couple times into a bigger, really beautiful space. Um, but a couple of years ago, I started realizing this just was not sustainable. It wasn't something I could do forever. Mm. And I dove really deep into the whole fire rabbit hole. Oh, so yeah. my plan initially was really, really aggressively investing in index funds so that I could retire. Okay. I love what I do. I still work in that beauty business one day a week, but it is really tough on your body. And my personal goal is to be totally time and location independent. Mm -hmm. So working in that business doesn't really fit the long-term vision. But I had realized if I was going to aggress um, invest aggressively in index funds, it was still going to take me 11 years to retire. And I just wasn't going to be able to keep up that pace. But one podcast led to the next, and someone was talking about real estate investing and how you could actually retire in more like two years if you really play it right. And I'm like, even if that's not 100% true, like three, four years is way better than 11 years. Yeah. And having started and run a business, I felt pretty confident that I could figure this whole real estate thing out. And this was like fall of 2021 that I really started diving into everything. Um, just became a full-time student of real estate investing. So it was actually this month, two years ago, that I started making offers on my first property. Nice. Wow. That is a... Uh... That is crazy. Two years. And that's that's the crazy thing about especially people in like the fire movement. What is what does it stand for again? Um financial, financial independence, independence retire, early. retire early. Yeah. Yeah. Especially people who, you know, that is their hundred percent main goal is they want to have independence, have freedom, be able to choose their own time and, and place um financially. 
they a lot of people don't realize that it really does you know it doesn't happen for everybody but you can do it in one real estate deal it doesn't you don't need to do a hundred deals um to to get yourself to a point where you can be financially independent it can really be done in one deal which you know that's a year's a year's time frame maximum um so you can do it in a year obviously it takes longer for most people it took took me longer uh but I really do feel like real estate is um, it's the best avenue if you know financial independence is your goal, and it sounds like you you came to that same realization. Um, so once you made that decision, what were the next steps that you took to try to reach your goal? So once I was, you know, I, I had spent a couple of months just absorbing as much information as I could: the books, the podcasts, the coaching calls. I did um, the Bigger Pockets boot camp. And when everything started to sound the same, Mm -hmm. and I was really just looking for the golden nuggets in each podcast or each book, I knew, all right, now it's time to kind of go on an information detox and just use what I've learned so far. I just need to take messy action and do it. And, you know, what's the absolute worst that could happen if I just start to take action? So I had started making offers. The first step for me was knowing, okay, how much money do I have to work with? And after that, I actually found my lender first because I really wanted to try and get around the 20% down thing Mm. because I wanted to invest close to home and Massachusetts, you know, it's more expensive. And I wanted to keep my down payment to under 50,000. So I knew if I wanted to get into like a duplex, I probably had to be able to put down just 10%. So I had found a lender that, you know, if I got the property at a certain discount, I would be able to put down just 10%. So then I essentially went out and found a property that would work with the loan product I wanted to use. Interesting. So you you chose um, small multifamily uh, duplexes is, you know, barely, barely a multifamily. So you chose really small multifamily as your first asset class to jump into. Is there a reason behind that? Or that was just, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. And that was the thing that made most sense. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I definitely could not have even fathomed buying anything with like three units, four units, let alone anything bigger than that. Yeah. Because I hadn't even ever bought a house before. I was a renter. I actually was a renter through my first two investment property purchases. So I had three rental units and I didn't have a primary home. Yeah. Um were you, uh, so were I had never even boots? gone through. Yeah. Were you shaking in your boots when you when you signed the papers for that first property? Um a little bit. It was just so weird because I had never gone through the process. So I didn't even know, you know, is this normal? Is that normal? What do I expect? When does this happen? When does that happen? Um But I was just really open with asking everybody questions like the listing agent because I didn't use a buyer's agent either. Um, So my lender, my the listing agent, my attorney, I just asked them every stupid question that I could come up with through that process. But I closed, I think it was like the day after my birthday. So that was cool. Nice. That's a good birthday present. Yeah. Uh, So it sounds like you found this on market, right? Yep. So this property was sitting on the market for, I want to say like 40 days, which was really odd at that time. Um, Like that was kind of a red flag. I think that was turning some people away. They figured maybe something was wrong with it. 
but it was just a weird setup. It was really ideal for somebody who had a big family and also wanted an in-law apartment that was completely separate. Yeah. But there was a long-term tenant in that smaller unit who was in a lease. So it really wouldn't have worked for that person who needed the in-law unit available right away. But it also wasn't really ideal for an investor because the primary unit was huge. It's like a single family home. It's Mm. three bedrooms, two bathrooms, two bonus rooms. So I think it just wasn't ideal for either type of buyer. Um, So I went in, you know, I toured it with my husband. He's an electrician. So um, I wanted him to, you know, take a look at whatever he could look at. (laughs) And uh, we just went in with the listing agent and, it was so we built rapport with her which was great like we really hit it off and i think that helped but i went home and i sent her this huge email you know complimenting the property but it was like explaining in detail why i couldn't do the list price i could only do this other price and i was like i really don't want to offend i did not come in here wanting to lowball but here are the numbers and here's why this is the only number that would work and the property was listed for 410. I had offered 350. We ended up getting an under contract for 3575 and then it appraised for 420. Oh, so wow. I was over the moon because I was walking yeah. into so much equity. Um so yeah, that's that's the tale of my first property. Yeah. No, I like that. And I like that um, you know, you weren't afraid to ask questions when you were going through that process because even if you've read every book, listened to every podcast, you there's so many things that you just don't get from education um, that you do get when you're actually going through it. <clears throat> and it mm-hmm. is so important to to ask the questions and who cares if you look dumb um, and get those questions answered for you because that's definitely what builds your education, makes you better on the next deal. And it sounds like this one really worked out for you. Once you uh, once you closed that, you had the property you know in your possession. Um, how did you get from there to where you are today? Well, much like every other investor I know, when I closed on that first property, you know, my friends and family thought I was crazy. And <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to relax for a little bit now, you know, pick up the books again. No, I was I immediately went out and started offering on the next property. Um, I wanted to try out short term rentals because Mm. I knew I could kind of flex my business muscle and my customer service muscle in that field. Um, So I thought I kind of had an edge. So I got under contract. I think I bought the first, that next property in May or June of, of 2022. So it was just a couple months after I closed on that first one. It was a single family home up in New Hampshire um, as a vacation rental. Same thing after that. I was like, Okay, now I'll just rest. I'll relax. I'll regroup. Immediately went out and found the perfect house hack. So it's a duplex. Um, Also in Massachusetts, it's a duplex. Um, One side was newly flipped. That's the side that we live in. We also midterm rent our guest room. So it's kind of a twofold house hack. Okay. After that property, I was kind of tapped out of capital. I was like, you know, I just bought three properties in nine months in a high cost area. So I sort of thought maybe I did something wrong. Like, Mm. I feel like you're never really supposed to run out of money somehow as an investor. (laughs) I feel like every even, you know, real estate investors that I know who, who just have so many properties, every investor feels broke because we're putting all the money into our into our properties. So 
I feel like yeah. uh, the capitals, the cap capital problem is always going to be there. Um, you just got to keep keep moving forward and keep uh, looking for more sources of capital. Yeah. So right after that, you know, I was kind of in this slump. I felt like maybe I did something wrong. I went to BPCon and I had this huge realization that everyone hits that point at mm-hmm. some point. And it was almost like a rite of passage that maybe I should be proud of. <laughs> um, so I just thought, okay, now it's time to just, I have to approach the next property differently. I have the time and knowledge, but I don't really have the money. So I knew I had to find someone to work with who did have the money, but doesn't really have the time or knowledge. And that would be a great partnership. So I had put out feelers to a bunch of people in my network, essentially saying, you know, this is what I've been doing. This is what I'd like to do next. If you happen to know anyone who might fit this description, um, feel free to send them my phone number. And one of my clients at the beauty salon, she had actually referred me to one of her friends And her and I had a couple meetings. We met for coffee. We talked on the phone a bunch of times. Um, And ultimately, we felt like there was just a really good vibe. It felt right. We both felt like this situation was too good to be true. And that, I feel like, was an indicator for me, okay, this is the right partner. So we had started making offers um, on larger properties because I knew, okay, for me to achieve my fire goals, right? Like my early retirement goals, I need to be somewhere around like a net 30 rental units. And I hate the whole unit count thing. I think it's a vanity number. Okay. Why why did you choose a unit count versus, um, I mean, fire, that is all based on the amount of money that you're bringing in. Were you just assuming that each unit had a certain amount of net income coming to you per month or? Yeah. So typically like we'll only go for properties where each unit, you know, once we achieve market rents, if it's value add multifamily, like once the property is really optimized, which I know could take a handful of years, um, I really only want to go for something that could cash flow about 500 a unit after everything. Okay. So with that said, it's just an easier thing for me to digest like okay i'm shooting for 30 net units and that could look like 60 units owned via 50 50 partnerships 30 units owned by myself or a mixture of those two is more likely gotcha so i figured okay i can either experience death by a thousand paper cuts and buy 500 duplexes or um i can just start to get into bigger properties so my partner and i we wanted to go for Uh, properties with at least 10 units and commercial underwriting made more sense for me anyways like as a business owner um i felt like it was a lot easier for me to grasp and it made more sense so um this past summer we closed on a 13 unit value add multifamily we decided to go long distance which was not the original plan but it just became so hard to find properties that cash flow in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for home runs, but everybody else was out here perfectly happy to get a base hit or a break-even property because they wanted to be in Massachusetts. But that wasn't in line with our goals for ourselves. So we ended up going long distance to Illinois. And um Illinois, interesting. Yeah, we- That's the state that everybody does not want to own in. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, you know, I say that and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that's a tenant friendly state, but Massachusetts is too. So I'm used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we closed. So, you know, now it's November 3rd. We closed um, this past July. So we've just been going through trying to, you know, address deferred maintenance in the building, get the runs to where they're supposed to be, fill vacancies. So um, it's going to be a slow burn process to get that property to where it should be over the next like year and a half, two years, probably. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, that is a, I, I love your guys' trajectory. I feel like it's a, it's a good arc. Um, I wish we had more time, but before we move to the quick question, Ryan, I want to ask a few questions about that Illinois property because making that leap, um, from the, you know, the first, maybe the first wholesale, the first single family you buy to something bigger, um, is a, it's a, I feel like the faster you get there, the, the better your career will be because you really, you know, the big properties are where you want to be. Um, so how did you, you know, when you decided that you're going to go 10 plus units, how did you decide on your Metro? And then, um, once you did decide on that Metro, how did you execute the plan of actually, you know, acquiring the property in that Metro? Yeah. So my philosophy all along with partnerships is I don't love the idea of finding a property and then finding a partner for it. I like Mm -hmm. to find a partner first who we really vibe, our goals are aligned, we have the same values, and then go find a property that works for us. So we had, you know, had a conversation around Massachusetts, you know, we're not going to achieve our cash flow goals here. And that's what's important to us right now. So Let's take a look at other Midwest cities with higher cap rates. And we kind of took to, took the list and said, you know, what do we each feel about each of these cities? Like, what's our comfort level? Um, and she actually travels to Chicago for work. So mm-hmm. she has some connections there. Um, she felt most comfortable. Like when we looked at the list of potential Midwest cities with higher cap rates, she was most comfortable with Chicago. Um So the next step was I was just starting to get a feel for, you know, what units are trading for and, you know, which which agents have the most listings and different neighborhoods and making connections with other investors there. But on a Friday is when we decided we're going to start offering in Chicago. We were under contract on Monday. So the first offer we made got accepted (laughs) and it was just such a testament to, you know, I was trying to fit a a circle into a square in Massachusetts making offers for like six months and just nothing was sticking. And I just had to make that shift and it just all fell into place. Um, And I know everyone says LoopNet is where deals go to die, but I found this deal on LoopNet. Um, And it's funny because I think just a very mediocre deal out there looks great to me through the eyes of someone who had been underwriting Massachusetts deals for so long. Um, But yeah, first up, you know, I found that property I really liked. One person referred me to the next person. I really liked the listing agent that I worked with on that one. So um, I've been continuing to talk with him about the next property. I have um, another partner who found me on a podcast, actually, and he reached out, booked a call with me. So we're actually looking for something together now, probably something similar to that last deal. But um, the listing agent referred me to an attorney who was great. I asked a couple different people about a broker who works out there, a mortgage broker. And same thing, you know, I I sort of interviewed a few different ones and found someone I really liked. Um, I asked another investor who I had met on a women in real estate retreat for who works out in that area. I asked her for her contact for insurance. So it's a lot of just, you know, asking people for referrals. And that's really what's 
what's made it easy. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I don't like boiling things as complicated as a career and real estate investing down to, um, you know, one thing, but it sounds like your, your strength and your, uh, what has got you to where you are today is your ability to go out there and network, make relationships, um, and push the ball forward. So that is awesome. Um, it is time for us to jump into the quick question round. So I'm gonna have to cut us off and push us forward. Are you ready? Yep. Let's do it. It starts with books or any form of education. I need two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, and then one for real estate specific. General life wisdom. This one really only pertains to women, but may interest men also. It's a book called In the Flow, and it's essentially about how women can like harness the power of their cycle every month to do better in work, in life, in relationships. And it was a, a huge game changer for me with work. Nice. That's, uh, I mean, even mm-hmm. for men, it would help you if, um, if you have a female partner. I bet you it'll mm-hmm. help them to understand their female partners. So good recommendation. How about for real estate? Um, for real estate, I, I'm i really a big podcast person. My favorite real estate podcast is the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. But I do also love their Rookie Podcast. Um, and I also love the Wire Podcast, Women Invest in Real Estate by Amelia and Grace. Cool. Awesome. Good recommendations. Uh, moving us on to the next question. And this is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Jesse who was just starting out in uh, in the beauty industry, you know, wide eyed, looking looking to make her first uh, her first business. Go to her, look her in the eye, give her one piece of advice moving forward. My biggest piece of advice would just be: anytime you think something's going wrong, that's exactly how it's supposed to be going. If it sucks in the moment, just don't worry about it. It's all happening how it's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's actually really good advice because uh, shit always does hit the fan. Um, but it's not a problem it's just something it's just something you got to get through and it's a a lesson you got to learn so great advice Um, moving us on to the next question and this is about the U.S. it's a big place a lot of opportunity out there you've already mentioned Chicago and Massachusetts so I'm going to take those off of the board Um, if you were to look at other metros in the U.S. what is the single metro that you'd be most excited about investing in today oh god I honestly don't look too far into this because I have to really consciously stay away from the shiny object syndrome and not get too excited. But I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. There are other investors who I really look up to who have mentioned Louisville, Kentucky, Augusta, Mm -hmm. Georgia, Cincinnati. So I would probably look into those areas. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard good things about Louisville, too. We've uh, we've looked for deals out there, but haven't found anything that screams at us, but um, definitely heard it's good. That moves us to the next question, and this is about finding deals. It all starts with uh, getting in contact with the seller. So what is your favorite way to find good deals? Hmm. Relationships with commercial real estate brokers, like those pocket listings. I mean, those are always going to be the best deals with the least amount of competition. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of trying to you know, go direct to seller for your own deals. I really like having an agent involved and doing some of that legwork for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's two camps, you know, a lot of people go off market, but you know, most of the deals, in fact, I'm sure it's like 80 to 90% of the deals um, are sold on market. So it's, it's a great way to go, especially if you find a good broker that you vibe with. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. That moves us to the next question. And this is about your biggest lesson learned doesn't have to be a deal gone bad, but um, 
something that happened in a deal that kind of threw you off guard? Uh, what is your biggest lesson learned through that deal? Hmm. I think biggest lesson in real estate in general is to just always have a backup plan and then another backup plan. So when I bought that short-term rental single family home up in New Hampshire, it did not do as well as I expected. So I kept it for exactly a year and I think the overhead was too much. I think it was um there was an oversupply. I think it wasn't close enough to certain destinations. Um so I think best case I ended up breaking even that year. And I ended up selling it with creative financing. Mm -hmm. So if I had sold traditionally on market, it would have been a true break-even deal. However, I did learn a lot and had a great experience doing that. Um, But selling it creatively, I ended up making a profit of about $75,000 on the deal. So just getting creative with backup plans. Yeah. I And especially with seller, I don't know if you seller financed it, but creative financing is, I'm the biggest... proponent of that both buying and selling um you know it gets deals done that wouldn't otherwise get done especially in, in, uh, in environments where interest rates are seven plus so love the love to hear that um that moves us to the very last question this is for the listeners you've given us a lot to think about i'm sure people want to reach out get in contact with you where is the best place uh, for people to find you instagram is definitely best so on instagram i'm jesse dylan with an underscore at the end Perfect. That is J-E-S-S-I-E-D-I-L-L-O-N underscore um, on Instagram. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Jesse, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down that full description in there. You can find her link. All right, Jesse, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate investing club.com. If you guys want to support the show, as always, just give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.